What's going on, family? This is Pastor Sergio Chavez, and I just want to thank you for tuning into the Hope Center podcast. Love is the most powerful human emotion and expression ever. Love is so powerful. Love is the greatest human emotion and expression, yet most of us don't understand what true love is. Some of us have been jaded by love. In other words, you're tired and bored about hearing, uh, about, hearing about love. Whenever some, some, some people in this place may hear the word love and you're automatically tuning me out. My, my prayer is that you don't tune me all the way out because you're saying, I don't want to hear about love. I've been hurt by people who were supposed to love me. And so I just don't want to, I don't want to discuss love. It's Valentine's week. I don't even want to talk about any of that. There's no point in that. Uh, it's just a way for companies to make money. It's just another holiday for people to exploit and capitalize. I don't want to hear about love this week. And so yet, here, here we're, 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 we find ourselves in a situation where God speaks to us constantly in his word about love because here's the thing, when you discover what true love is, what it looks like, you will realize it's the most powerful thing on earth. Some of you have been hurt by relationships. Some of you may have never seen love and affection in your family. Maybe you've never seen a healthy marriage, so you've never seen love between two people in that way. Maybe some of you didn't grow up with the right friendships, and so you didn't experience love that came through that. You were hurt. You were betrayed. And so you would find yourself in this situation. But God wants you to know how powerful love is. How powerful love is. And to quote the very famous song by Hathaway, this is a throwback, what is love, baby, don't hurt me. You remember that song? What is love, love, baby, don't hurt me. You better find out what love is today, praise the Lord. The ancient Greeks in the scripture, they have different words for love. See, our, our English language is a bit limited because, because there's only one word to describe love, which is love. And, and in Spanish and in other languages, there's always different ways to describe love, right? We have, we have Spanish, which is, which is an amazing language. There may be some people who are not Spanish speakers in the house. Do I got people non-Spanish speakers in the house? Let me see you. All right, all right. Wave your hands in the air. Let me see you like you just don't care. All right, I'm going to teach you something, right? In Spanish, you can say... You can say te amo say with me te amo there you go that's what i'm talking about look at that you don't got to go to rosetta stone i got you right here come to church you get you get everything in spanish lessons and then you can say te quiero say with me te quiero it's te quiero not te quiero all right let's let's try this again te quiero all right, so you have different words to describe love. And in scripture, there are different words to describe love also. There's the word storge in the Greek, which means natural affection. It means the love that you share with your family. In other words, parental love. So there's, so there's storge love. Then there's, then there's phileo love. Now, I didn't say filet, filet. I said phileo love. That's where we get, the, that's where we get the, the, the name Philadelphia, the city of what? Brotherly love. So phileo in the Greek means uh, means uh, brotherly love. It's a love that you have for your friends. It's an affection amongst friends. Then you have eros love, where we get the word erotic. So eros is romantic love or passionate love. It's the kind of love that you desire in a romantic relationship. And then you have agape love. Agape love is unconditional love. It's divine love. It's godly love. 
So when you look throughout the scripture, you have these different words for love because I don't care whether you're in a relationship, whether you are married, whether you're single, looking to mingle, whether you had just been, uh, just broke up in your relationship, it don't matter what phase you're in or just have friendships or family ties, this message is for you because we are called to love in case you didn't know it. The highest and greatest call that we have in our life is to love. And here's the thing though. Falling in love is very easy. Falling in love is super, it, it, I'm talking about you can fall in love in a day. You can uh, trip in and just see somebody and be googly-eyed when you see somebody like, I'm in love. Scrolling through Instagram, I'm in love, praise the Lord. Y'all not going to keep it real with me in church. I'm not going to point at you. Some of you, you in here, you in here. I'm in love. You fall in love quick. Because here's what happened. Let me tell you the psychology of what happens when you begin to fall in love. There's a thing called dopamine in our brains that's connected to our adrenal glands. And what happens is it begins to release dopamine when we see somebody or, 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 or when we meet our babies for the first time, right? When our babies are first born uh, or when we're just starting a relationship, we, we experience this, this, this sensation and where we're giggly or we can't sleep because we're just thinking about that person or we don't eat because we're just, we're just in love. And you just keep talking hours and hours on end with somebody because you're falling in love. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody ever been in love? You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about that kind of love that, that, that make you just want to listen to R&B all day, every day. Y'all not going to keep it real with me? The millennials just want to listen to Drake all day, every day. Just, just, you know what I'm saying? When you put on that Drake, that's that, that when you just all you want to listen to and every people ask you, is that all you're going to listen to? It's just because I'm in love, man. I don't know what it is. I'm falling in love. Here's the thing. Falling in love is easy. It's maintaining love that's difficult. It's staying in love that is difficult. And so today, I want to challenge you. It's a wonderful thing to fall in love. It's a wonderful thing when you first come to Christ, right? And you and you just and you just you're so passionate, you're so excited, and, and you want to get involved in ministry, and that's all wonderful. It's called the infatuation stage. When you first get involved with somebody, you're in the infatuation stage. They can do no wrong. They burp and fart, and you're like, you know what? That's beautiful the way they do that. I'm talking about like, like everything they do. They can do no wrong and they can do no harm. But let me tell you, that's just a phase and a season. When it gets real after the infatuation passes, that's what counts the most. Because what matters most is not falling in love, but staying in love. <laughs> it's getting mighty quiet. Can y'all nod your head? Let me say amen, pastor. Let me know you're with me. Okay, give me a good churchy amen. All right, thank you, thank you. Uh, uh, it's about staying in love. That's the real test. And so I want to give you a key today. I want to give you a gem. I want to give you a principle about staying in love. Let me tell you what the scripture says because Jesus taught us about love in the scripture. And so I want us to go to a verse in the book of John chapter 13, verse 34, 35. I want you to pay attention here. Let's cue that up on the screen. John 13, 34, and 35. Jesus is speaking to his disciples about this very topic because he knew this was the most important and valuable thing that the disciples could learn and here it is he says a new command i give you he says love one another as i have loved you 
So here's what you need to understand. He said, he said, love one another, but he clarified it because anybody could have said, all right, love one another. I know what that means, but here's the thing. He clarified and said, as I have loved you. In other words, I don't want you to love the way the world loves because the world believes in conditional love. That means you love me one day, the next day I make a mistake, you don't love me. That's what the world's standard of love is. But Christ is saying, I want you to love the way I love, with agape love, with godly love, with unconditional love. So he said, I want you to love the way I have loved you. And here he goes and says, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Here's what you got to understand about this scripture. Let me give you a little context. Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And what he's saying here is, he's saying, I know you have the Torah. You have the commandments. That shall not kill. That shall not steal. That shall not have, not have any other gods before you. That shall not commit adultery. That shall, he's, he, he's saying, I know you understand all of that. But he's saying, a new command I give you. In other words, this word new has a different meaning. It, 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 when you translate that word new, it translates into remarkable. It translates into outstanding. It translates into something that is packaged and framed in a different way. So he's saying, listen, you have the commandments and you understand that, but he's saying, let me frame it in a new way. Let me frame it a little differently. He says, because if you get this, you're going to get all of the commandments. If you just get this, and if you, if you hit this mark, if you hit this target, you will hit everything else. Because if you do this, you're not going to commit adultery. You're not going to fornicate. You're not going to uh, harm somebody else. You're not going to be violent. You're not going to be unkind, uncompassionate towards someone else. He said, this is what I want you to get down out of all of the lessons. This is how the world will know that you are my disciples. He says, when you love one another. But here's the gem and the principle that I want you to write down. The word love here is an action word. In other words, it's a verb. So how do we maintain love? I'm getting ready to tell you, and I hope you get ready to catch it because it's so simple. You might miss it, but I want you to catch it. You have to make love a verb. In other words, when you talk about love, it must always have an action attached to it. Did you catch it? Come on, let me know that you caught it. In order for you to stay in love, you must make love a verb. In other words, action, not a noun. A noun is a person, place, or thing. A, a noun is simply a concept. A, 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 in other words, he's saying don't love as if it's a noun. Love as if, as if it's a verb, as if it's an action. Attach action to your love. Not love the way the world loves, not love the way you see in the movies, not love the way you listen on the R&B songs, no, love the way I have loved you. And I want to give you three points today, three points about making love a verb, making a, a love an action word. And the first thing I want to share with you is that you must practice love. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. You must practice love. I want you to do me a favor, look at your neighbor and, and, and tell them, you must practice love. You must practice love. Okay, I see some people not talking to the neighbor. I think y'all need to wake up. Say, you must practice love. Matter of fact, shake your neighbor. Shake them a little bit. Say, you must practice love. You don't need any special talents or any special abilities to love. You don't need for me to call you out and prophesy and lay my hands on you and pray for you for you to practice love. Everyone in this place can practice 
love. That means you can practice, you must practice in your marriage, in your home, with your children, words of affirmation. You've got to practice that. Don't just say, they know, my children know I love them. No, no, tell your children you love them. Can I get an amen in here? Yeah, mighty quiet. You must, for my merry folk, merry folk, make some noise in the house. All right, this one's for you. You must practice physical affection and touch. Nobody getting excited about that? Praise the Lord. All right. That's for, that, I received that word. You got to practice it. That means you can't use the excuse, you know what, Pastor? My father was never affectionate, so I don't know how to be affectionate. No, you are a new creation. So you break that chain and you show affection to your wife. Wife, don't use the excuse, I just never knew how to show effect. I, my mother never showed me, I never saw any. Listen, you're a new creation. Show affection to your man. Let the world know this is my man. to practice it. Don't assume they know that you love them. You know, you could have told them that yesterday, but every day is a new day. Never lose the opportunity to tell your spouse how much you love them. Never lose the opportunity to tell your children how much you love them, how precious they are to you, how beautiful they are to you. You must practice it. You've got to practice acts of service. That means, praise the Lord, husband, when your wife said, baby, can you throw out the trash? must practice it. That means when you do it, do it with joy. Because that's a way of you proving and putting action attached to your love. When you're, when you're, when, when, when you, when you know it's time to wash dishes, when it's time to pay the bills, when it's time to go to work, when it's time to get the baby ready, that's when you, through acts of service, you must practice it. It's not a thing about assuming. It's not a thing of saying they already know. No, no, no. You've got to attach an action to it. You've got to practice gifts. Don't matter, it don't have to be expensive. You've got to practice giving gifts, showering, showering the people around you. How can I give you a gift, whether it be a letter, whether it be something to let people know that you were thinking about them. You've got to practice that. You've got to practice quality time. Let me tell you, sitting watching TV and, and, and why you got the TV on you on Instagram is not quality time. I knew it was one of those message Ange. It's all right. I'm receiving this word. I'm going to take it with me. I'm going to use it. Praise the Lord. Anybody else that said, Pastor, that, that, this message is for me. I received this word. Come on, holler back at me if I'm helping you out. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> the Lord spoke on that last point. Yeah, quality time. That means you are my focus. You are, you, are, you are the person I am paying attention to. Nothing else. It's you and I communicating. That means with my child, spending quality time where it's not over a TV. It's not over a movie. It's not over things that are distracting. It's Quality time, you must practice it. And everybody in this place, you don't need special talent. You don't need special ability to practice love. How do you maintain love? You must practice love. Let me tell you, the first years of my marriage was a struggle. I'm going to go in and keep it real. First years of my marriage was a struggle because my wife and I were, were on different pages about our love languages. If you never read the book by Gary Chapman, The Five Languages of Love, I, I encourage you, if you're married and haven't read that, or if you're looking to get married, haven't read that, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. My wife's love language, which is the language that speaks love the most out of you, that, that, that makes the love just, just manifest out of you. My wife's gift was, it, 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 my life's uh, love language is gifts, excuse me. 
Her love language is gifts and mine is words of affirmation. So what we were doing is we were on different pages. I would tell her all day, every day, baby, I love you, the most beautiful thing, you fine, girl, you, and, and, and then the reaction wasn't what I wanted. I was like, she would just be like, thank you, okay. I'm like, hold up. I'm busting out my finest poetry, my spoken word, telling her how much she means to me. And she's like, okay. And then, and then, and then, and, 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 and here I am, and I'm trying to give her words of affirmation. And then one time I, I gave her a little gift, brother, brother, brother uh, Freddie's. I gave her a gift, man, and, 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 and she was doing backflips. Alex, I'm talking about my wife. I gave her a pair of heels, and she was just, and I was like, why didn't you react the way I wanted you when I was telling you how beautiful you were and all of this? It's because her love language was gifts, and mine was words of affirmation. So what, what do you think she was doing for me? She was giving me gifts, and every time she would give me gifts, I'd be like, okay, another pair of shoes. I can, this is nice. I, I really don't need this. And she was expecting me to speak her love language. Oftentimes in relationships and with family, we, we're frustrated because we expect the other person to speak our language. But God made us unique. And that's why he brought us together so we could complement one another. We may be different, but we're called to love each other anyways. And so we had to get on the same page. It was as if she was speaking French, I was speaking Spanish. I was speaking English, and she was speaking Chinese. So we had to communicate these things to get on the same page in order to practice love. Say with me, practice love. Say it with me like you ate some breakfast. Say, practice love. Yeah, let me give you the second thing as I move forward. Love lives, and write this down if you're taking notes, love lives when selfishness dies. Can anybody say amen? All right. Love lives when selfishness dies. I know Pastor Fran touched on this point a little bit. I want to just elaborate. Love lives when selfishness dies. Let me tell you how to keep your love and maintain love within your family, within your relationships, within your marriage. It, uh, you, you've got to be selfless in those relationships. That means you have to make the other person priority. That means they go first. You know, I talk to people all the time, and, and I, I counsel a lot of couples, and I counsel a lot of people. And what I find the root, the root of the problems of relationships is that people are ungrateful for one another. And so they begin to say, I'm the priority, and they're not doing what I want, what I need, when I want it. And whenever you approach relationships that way, your relationship and the love will always die. Love lives when selfishness dies. In other words, my wife is my priority. I'm not number one. A lot of people are always concerned about winning arguments. You know you can win an argument but lose a relationship? Did y'all catch that? I know it's a hard message, but, but did you, are you catching these? Are you catching these? You can win a, rela you can win a, a fight. You can win an argument and lose a relationship. So your goal shouldn't be to win a, a, an argument, win a fight. That's why you spend all the time fighting and fighting. But when you make the person that you're with a priority, that's when love lives. Because you say, I choose to make this person a priority. Not my wants first, not my needs first, but this person's need first. Make them a priority. My, I'm not priority in my relationship. My wife and my child are priority. So whatever they want when they need it, I got to make sure that I'm fulfilling that because they're priority. The scripture we find in a very interesting word that, that the apostle Paul gives us 
and it's sort of the same that Jesus did in John. But here what he's doing is, is he's elaborating and he uses a different word. Now this word offends people. This word that we share here, this one throws people off. And so I, it was powerful when he shared it in Ephesians 5.21. If we have that on the screen, Ephesians 5.21. Got that? Look at what it says. It says, submitting, that word right there, submitting. People get a little thrown off by that. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. When you submit to one another, you make each other priority. You go first. No, you go first. I'll share a little, a, a little, my, a, a little my leftovers with you. Your priority. You need the dishes washed. Your priority. Let me get a little more. Let me get some more dishes. You make the other person priority. And, and, and when you make the other person priority, when you submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, whenever you submit to one another, whenever you make another person priority, what you're saying is, God, I'm submitting to you. And as you submit to God, what he does is begin to fill you with love so that you can continue to make the other person priority. Somebody's saying, Pastor, but what about me? What about me? What about my wants? What about my needs? See, this kind of love, you can't just get it on your own. You need to first surrender to Christ. And when you submit to Christ, then you reverence the people around you. When you submit to Christ, then you submit to your spouse. Then you submit, and your children will submit to you, but out of reverence for Christ. It's no other purpose, no other reason, except for the fact that you're doing it for Christ. So when you are making someone else priority, you're obeying Christ. Whenever you're going above and beyond for ministry because you love the ministry, you're doing it for Christ. You're not doing it for pastor. You're doing it for Christ. Whenever you come up in here and whether you're moving a chair or greeting somebody or dealing with the kids, what you're doing is out of reverence for Christ. So I am submitting to the church out of reverence for Christ. When I love on my wife, when I love on my kids, when I do these things for them and I go above and beyond, some of you say, I'm tired of going above and beyond. Keep going above and beyond because what you're doing is doing it for Jesus. Nothing else and nobody else. You're pleasing Christ. Out of reverence for Christ, submit to one another. Change starts within you. And then it begins to change around you. I meet with so many people that say, you know what? I'll change when he changes. I'll change when she changes. I'll do better and I'll love them more when they... And so you're just pointing the finger, not realizing that all along it should be a change within you. And when you start to change within you and you truly submit to Christ, you're going to begin to see change around you. Can you say amen to that? So many people oftentimes I meet, I, 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 I only love if they love. I only change if they change. And you're doing it all wrong. It's when you begin to say, Christ, I submit to you and change my heart. Change my perspective. Change my heart. That's when you'll see change around you. If you don't know how to find love within you, you'll never find it outside of you. If you're not satisfied with your relationship with Christ, good luck in your marriage and your relationship because you're not going to find it there. As much as I love my wife, as much as she means to me, she is not my God. 
So my fulfillment in life, what gives me the most, the completion in my life is my relationship to Christ. And that's what fills me. And because of my relationship with Christ, I'm able to pour that into my relationship out of reverence for Christ. So don't wait for people to change around you. Man, if my cousin changed, if only they would change. Man, if my husband would change, my wife, if my kids, my hard-headed kids, if they just would change. No, no, how about you focus and say, God, I need to do better. I need to change. I need to give you my life because then you will begin to see transformation in your life. Let me give you point number three because y'all looking real upset with me. That's all right, I'm going to come at you. I'm an OG, triple OG, and I got gangsters with me that are, in case y'all want to beat me down, I'm good, I'm good. Let me give you point number three. Watch this. With love, you get out what you put in. In other words, you reap what you sow in love. How do I maintain love? How do I keep love? Well, here's the thing, here's the thing, and I want you to pay attention close to me. Marriage, family, relationships do not work. There it is. Dot, 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 unless you work at it. Marriage don't work unless you work at it. Relationships don't work unless you work at it. Parenting does not work unless you work at it. Love is this emotion that you must place into action. You must sow. You must invest in it. That means you must invest attention into your relationships. Because in relationships, you only get out of it what you put into it. So if you're not paying attention to your spouse, if you're not paying attention to your children, that's what you will reap. If you don't show acceptance in your relationship, that's what you're going to, you're going to get rejection in return. If you don't invest and sow appreciation into your relationships, that's what you're going to get out of it lack of appreciation if you don't show affection in your relationship that's what you're going to get out of it lack of affection if you don't show allowance or allowing somebody to be themselves in the relationship that's what you're going to get a failure of, of, of appreciation for who you are you must sow into the relationship you must invest in it because in love you only get out of it what you put into it that's why in Galatians 5, the scripture describes love as a seed. It says the fruit of the spirit is patience, love, kindness. In Galatians 5, it lists all these things that the Holy Spirit does, and it describes it as a seed that will eventually produce fruit. You want to see fruit in your marriage? Show of hands. How many married for want to see fruit in your marriage? Come on, talk back to me. Let me know if I'm talking to you. You want to see fruit in your relationships? Come on, let me see your hands. Let me see your hands in your relationship with your family. Do you want to see fruit in those areas of your life? Talk back to me. All right, well, then you have to invest and you must sow attention, appreciation, affection, allowance. You must invest and sow into these things. Pastor, that's hard. That's difficult because these are the very same people that they turned their back on me. They hurt me. They talked about me. You know, I got married, but, but my, my spouse is not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Pastor, that's hard. Uh, let me tell you, yes, it is. It's absolutely hard, but that's why we have a Savior. His name is Jesus. And the scripture tells us 
in John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so what? Loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his only son, that no one who believes in him, if anyone believes in him, they will not perish but have everlasting life. In other words, we see God himself giving us the picture that because of love he gave. Love always gives. Lust always takes. I hope you caught that. Love always gives. Lust always takes. It's about me. It's about what I want. But love is, is always looking out. How can I serve these people? How can I serve my wife? How can I show more affection? I know I've been doing a lot, but I want to know how can I do more? Because God showed me the example that because he loved, he gave. That's the example we have. And in order for us to live that lifestyle of giving, of loving, of making love a verb, an action word, we need Jesus. You can't do it on your own. I know you've been trying to do it on your own. You've been struggling. I want to love this person. I can't pass that. I'm having. You've got to give your. You got to surrender it all to Christ. And when he, when you surrender and submit to Him, He will empower you to love. Love has got to be an action word. My prayer for you is that you leave this place not just hearing this message. This week, practice it. Practice love. Practice affirming the people around you. Practice showing affection. Practice uh, uh, serving the people around you. Practice making it an action verb. Thanks so much again for tuning in. I hope that you join us the next time. If you are in the DMV area, please make sure to come out on a Sunday at 1.30 p.m. You can find more information at myhopecenter.org. And you can also stay connected to us on social media. We are at My Hope Center on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So you can search us up, connect with us, and uh, I hope to hear from you all and see you all very soon. So until then, peace, love, and God bless.